I'll go get it. Hello, and welcome on this windy day to our podcast, Digging Deep. I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And we are two landscape designers that have been in the business for well over 25 years. Very well. well We've been in the business for like 100 years, right, Michael? <laughs> I think it is now. I, I myself have been in business 44 years. So, you know. Uh, well, I'm so much younger. <laughs> I've only been in the business for 25 years. <laughs> oh, man. Well, because of our joint experience, which could be like 200 years worth, Right. That's what we're here for. We want to share our our stories on this podcast. And what else, Michael? What are we going to share? Not only our stories, but our failures and our foibles and all sorts of fun stuff. So that um, whatever we whatever we can impart to you, it can help you and your family create these wonderful outdoor environments. Maybe even indoor. But because um, we'll be talking about that a little bit today, um, and that's what we're here for is to kind of help you along with all of our knowledge. Right. Lack of knowledge. <laughs> Black, no. Well, we have a lot of knowledge. And here's the thing, gardening, you're always learning. We're always learning. And um, there's always new plants coming in and hybrids and there's climate change. So plants that we used uh, without thinking now we have to change. And so we're always learning. And you, you, you know, I'll say you can't do anything wrong. You could kill a plant, but then you'll learn from that and hopefully not do it again. Right. And that, and the point is, even as professionals that have been in the business for a long time, we learn things all the time. And that's the most important thing. It's it's keeping us, keeping everyone growing, everything growing so that you're always learning. And that's what makes things exciting and kind of fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, in fact, it's, Roberta was just filling me in. Well, I'm going to start us off with, with something new that I knew nothing about. Nothing, nothing. So hit it. Okay, well, what we're going to talk about, because it is this time of year, if you want to start your indoor seeds, if you buy packs of vegetable seeds and flower seeds, this is the time to start them in little pots indoors. And there's lots of different pots you can get. But the one that I was telling Michael about was they now sell little three-inch pots, and that's how you'd start a seed, um, out of cow manure. Now, hold on. doesn't stink. <laughs> This particular company actually separates the methane gas that comes from the cows from the manure. They use the methane to power their tools, and then they make out of the cleaned manure, so there's no smell, little pots. Now, normally you would buy peat pots, but peat is not sustainable. Peat is dug up in Ireland and other places, and it's dug up to the point where, of course, it's, you know, becoming um, not, well, it's not sustainable. So anyway, you could buy these little manure pots and you fill them with your growing medium. We'll talk about that and put your seed in there. And you could, this comes in, uh, you can buy it on Amazon. It comes in a pack of 12 and you put them on the ledge, obviously with something underneath because you're going to water these. And that's how you're going to start your seeds indoors. But consider using cow patty um, pots because when you do plant you dig a hole and you put the whole pot in the roots just with the moisture they grow out the sides into the ground and that cow manure adds uh, nitrogen to the plant so it's really a great idea i thought it was a so, great i think it's a great idea when you're so my question to you is if you're looking it up on amazon what a what what do you type in what do you look cow potty pot cow well i did when I went in and I said, um, cow pots to start seedling, seedlings, 
and it came up um, with, there's a couple different ones. Um, this one's called cow pots and um, they're pots you could plant and it's from 100% renewable composted cow manure. And the one on Amazon, the 12 inch, uh, 12 pack of three inch cow pots was $8 and 76 cents. So I love it. I think that sounds great. So now as the novice person um, that doesn't that doesn't do that much growing of, of seeds inside, what is the difference and what kind of soil do you use? Um, there, I see that there's listed seed soil or there's potting soil. What's the difference? Well, first of all, um, you're not going to use potting soil. Potting soil is if you're planting um, something in a pot and it has slow release, you know, water, um, little little balls that help retain the water. You don't need that if you're going to be planting in your garden because, you know, your garden has regular irrigation. But our gardens have been asleep and they are asleep right now. It's wintertime and dormant. So there's a couple different things right before spring that you can do to add amendments. If you really want fabulous vegetables, beautiful flowers, you need to add amendments because the year before, whatever you grew, ate whatever is in there. So, And I use worm castings. Worm castings is one. So now for organic soil amendments, because that's all we're going to talk about, if you buy bags of, let's say, uh, I don't want to name names, but anyway, there are bags of fertilizer. Normally they're sprayed with nitrogen, and by the time they're in the soil, that dissipates. So using a natural organic, um, organic is, uh, I mean, amendment is the best. So... Now, worm castings are wonderful, and if you haven't looked into having your own vermiculture uh, colony, they don't smell. You put all your green compost into this worm, and they make these worm, um, I don't know, they're like different levels, and you could even have one that sits on the countertop. I know it sounds gross to have worms in your kitchen, but they don't smell, and they eat everything, and you could get worm tea and worm castings, which is what Michael was talking about um, which you can buy. They're expensive though. You could, you could buy it, but they love it. And now another, so there's, there's three different main types of amendments. One is animal-based. Another is plant-based and a third is mineral-based. Okay. Those are the three main. And then there's all these derivatives, but I don't know if you've heard of bat guano. Have you heard of bat? Yeah, I have heard of bat guano <laughs> and I have bought, but I have to say, the idea of having worms in my kitchen did not appeal to me. So I went out and spent a little extra money and bought <laughs> the worm castings in a bag, put it into my vegetable garden. And that sounded really good to me. And yeah. I've also bought again at the local nursery, um, a mixture of bat guano and worm castings. They have all these different, really, really colorful bags of amendments, organic amendments that you can buy. And depending on what you buy, they're a little bit more expensive. But I have to say, for those of us that, that don't like the idea of raising worms in their kitchen, um, buying them at a, at a store is kind of worth it. Okay, so let me just tell you, I kept, when I did have my worms, um, and, and I had to give them up because I got very, very busy and was traveling, but um, I kept it in the laundry room, which is part of my garage. So it, it's, you know, it's not something gross, but anyway, right. let's, so, but yeah, you, you could buy them, but let, let me tell you about what they do and what bat guano does. It improves the texture of your soil. So, so many of us have heavy soils, clay. Um, it also neutralizes soil contaminants because it adds healthy bacteria. So whatever you pay for it, remember you're doing it at the beginning of the season once, and that's going to set the, 
you know, the tone of what you're going to grow in your beds. So, um, and back guano is so highly concentrated, just like chicken manure, um, a little goes a long way. So, um, a lot of you, what, what, just to clarify, a lot of people like myself, um, we're not planting directly into the native soil. We actually have raised planters. In my case, I have, um, horse troughs that are, that are drained and irrigated. So, um, the soil itself can't cannot uh, regenerate itself because it's in a container. And a lot of times, a lot of vegetable gardens are in raised planters or containers. So that's why you're adding the nutrients because basically it doesn't have the, the ability to take native soil and, and nutrients from the native soil that it, that it's mixed with. It's basically in a, in a contained um, environment. Right. And, and there's a beauty behind that as well. But um, I think before, I don't know how many podcasts before, we also talked about cover crops. And if you were on it um, about cover crops, you would have planted perhaps a cover crop of crimson clover or fava beans. And those go in and then they'll flower in the spring and then you dig them into the soil and it adds um, oxygen. Right. So um, that's another one. Now, I think the most common is are the manure, the animal-based um, amendments, and those are slow release. And what you don't want to do, if you have chickens in your yard, you don't want to sweep up the manure and throw it in your garden because it's too hot. It would kill the plants. It needs to be composted down. So um, not so many of us have chickens, but if you do, let it compost and dry out, and then it's it's a little bit better. And, and then, a little a little sideline interesting piece of information is um, chicken manure is great and so is cow manure. One of the best manures, especially as it as it breaks down, is horse manure because they use it um, especially in strawberry production. In fact, the strawberry farmers, one of the best mediums for them is the horse manure because cows eat everything. Horses basically have more of a, a uniform diet. Whereas a cow can, you know, just eats every every piece of grass and unless you're giving it feed. Um, so the strawberry farmers are saying that the horse manure is by far the best manure, the best additive that they can get. And it's it's cheap. There is um, something that you should be aware of if you're an absolute, absolute purist, is that almost all the horse stables, um, they do worm their horses with chemicals. And that does come out in the end. So I've had some clients that are absolute purists that, you know, look look for manure that doesn't have any any of that in there. But for the most part, I buy I buy from a woman named Carol. I don't even know her last name. I call her Carol the Compost Lady. She will deliver a truckload of composted horse manure mixed with um, fine wood uh, redwood shavings. And for $60, and it's almost four yards, I tell all my clients about her because it's a wonderful mulch. And, and even if, you know, your bark is blown away at this point and there's nothing left, it's bald, bring in that. And when the rains come, I'm praying, when the rains come again, it will bring all those uh, high nitrogen nutrients to your soil and it also help break up the clay. That's a great, that's a great suggestion. Yeah. Um, so going back, so for people that don't understand or know, is there a difference between, um, say, a potting soil and like a seed soil? Seedling yes. soil. Yes, yes, right. there is. Like I said, potting soil, if you're potting something in a, in a pot outside, use potting soil because it's a mixture that helps retain water. 
if you're if you're going to pot, uh, let's say you're starting your seeds, that's what we're talking about. You just get a nice, good soil with compost mixed in there. There's so many nice brands. Frog Farms is one. You know, spend the money on a high quality organic um, soil. You know, good soil. It's not a potting soil. It's it's regular soil, and you'll you'll have the different. You'll see the difference at our local nursery. The bags either say potting soil or they say garden soil. So, and then that's that's just the soil. The amendments we're talking about, they don't go in those little peat pots or those and little cow manure pots. They go into your ground, into the soil of your garden if you have in-ground gardening or even raised bed gardening. And um, let me just ask, uh, add the third, the third amendment would be the mineral-based. And now minerals don't break down so easily, so you've got to be careful not to over, um, you know, over you know, uh, apply. So the minerals, and you know what, you could go online and buy an inexpensive soil test kit that will tell you what the soil is lacking in, what it might be too high in, and then you could balance it. I know this sounds so very scientific and we just want to throw our seeds in, but then we're all complaining at some point that our cucumbers are too skinny or this is that or this is what you need to do in the beginning. You need to take care of the soil. It's a living, breathing um, mixture that's going to, you know, give your family food. And if you're lazy, like some of us, um, instead of starting seeds, which we don't have the time or the inclination to do, you can actually get plant starts. They come in little peat pots. Uh, well, not peat pots. They come in little containers and they come in at a four inch, sometimes they're a six inch, sometimes they're a two inch. And the la uh, those of us that are called Mr. Lazy like to go there and, and the nursery does all the work. And then you put it into your amended soil and your raised beds and you're ahead of the game. That's right. The, the thing is, is um, right now there are winter vegetables available in, in those small pots as your... Um, uh, cruciferous things like Brussels sprouts and chard and whatnot. However, if you're wanting to start zucchini, tomatoes, peppers, you're not going to find those at the nursery right now. Those are the indoor started plants, or you simply right. wait, you know, you can amend your soil and wait and then go buy, um, go, go buy it already in starts, which is what I do too, because I have so little time, but exactly, exactly. But you're right. I mean, when, when COVID hit and we were all kind of locked in the house, we actually started seeds. My daughter got into it. She was living with us. And we we actually used um, uh, egg cartons, you know, the paper egg, car egg cartons, put a little soil in there and the, and the seeds. And surprisingly enough, they all germinated. And then we cut the little egg cartons, not the not the um, the ones that are made out of foam. This is the, the old-fashioned paper egg cartons, yeah. and then we cut them and put them in the soil, and amazingly, they all did well. Yeah. You know, I used to have a um, plot at the community garden, and the woman that gardened next to me would take her empty yogurt cartons, and after she planted her starts, she cut out the bottom of the yogurt uh, containers, and then she put them around the plant, which is a great way to stop slugs and snails from chewing on those tender little starts. Very smart. See, that's great. Reusing yeah. things. That's a great idea. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's up to us. And I've said this before. It's up to us, the people, to start making these changes. Because um, to keep buying so many plastic products that, that just don't get recycled, 
is it, we just don't need to do that. There's so many household items, even even your yogurt, you know, they're plastic. But if you cut the bottoms out and you use them in the garden, you're recycling. You're, you're doing something, you know, for the planet. So I, I always think recycling is a great idea. And that's why I love these cow potties. So patties, because I and I call them cow patties, but they're, you know, they're little pots. But um, I have tons of seeds, even though I buy, <laughs> I buy the um, stars. But I do have some amazing seeds, which I always will, in the beginning, give them a go. And so I'm going to order some of those manure pots and um, see what comes up. Of what I'm I've, curious, have you tried wildflower seeds? Yeah, well, why, yeah. Uh, wildflower seeds generally just get scattered um, into the soil. and. Yeah. And um, you'd want to do that early for a spring planting. You could do it in spring, but you're not going to see the flowers till next spring. But um, those those just kind of get scattered in the soil. And, you know, I generally don't try to raise um, flowers except for bachelor buttons because they're always there. You know, they come and go and they're hard to find at the nursery. Yeah. Other than that, it's mainly vegetables. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's true. And the one thing, the one advantage now, if you're lazy like me and, and you want to get the starts, but if you don't get a jump on it, by the time you get to the nursery to go buy it, all the good stuff, the really popular varieties, the ones that you really want to plant, they're usually sold out. So if you're a person that likes starts, you have to keep an eye on things and actually go to the nursery maybe a little early. Ask, ask one of the salespeople, when are you going to get certain things in? And then when they come in, be, be down there to get it because it is amazing. It seriously is amazing how fast they sell out because people have certain varieties that they really like. They come down there, they buy it. And then when you go down there, it's not there. Right. Yeah. And check out your local nurseries that are the small nurseries. You know, we have some big nurseries and they bring in in large quantity, but every once in a while, in, we're in Sacramento. I'll go to this other little nursery called Tallini's, little Italian guy. Oh, yeah. It's a great place. Yeah. And he has a more unusual um, vegetables. You know, our, the way that the vegetables and, and the whole agra business has gone is they've taken what's popular and they've narrowed it down to just what's popular as far as vegetables go. When Actually, there are hundreds of varieties of um, many vegetables, of potatoes, of apples. There's so many more varieties than we're um, than that we have access to. There are websites where you can get heirloom seeds and old seeds, and people share these. But you buy them or you 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 change them out. But um, so if you want something unusual, um, let me tell you something interesting. This is you'll like this. This is an interesting story. So potatoes have many many different varieties. Right. But the reason why so many people in Ireland died during the potato famine is because they planted one type of potato and that type of potato got a fungus and it spread oh, yeah. to all of them. Now, had they planted five different varieties, it never would have happened because the fungus would not have spread to the other varieties that could have been disease, you know, resistant to that disease. You see, so. There are lots of different um, varieties of a certain vegetable, but again, we're, we're kind of given the most basic. But if you really want to branch out, you know, there's all kinds, there's different kinds of corn, there's different kinds of everything. I get these seed catalogs and it's just, it's just kind of mind blowing. Even the green beans, all the different varieties, the French. And it's true. It's not, on, it's not only with, with um, producing plants. 
It also, I, I know that happens with some of the hybrids. For example, the one thing that I, I was aware of is the fruitless olive. There used to be a very popular, still is, very popular variety called Swan Hill. The problem with those is they hybridized them and they planted too many of them and they they wound up being very susceptible to borers. So you, a lot of the growers are now starting different varieties of fruitless olives that are much stronger and and hardier that are not as susceptible to the the borers so you'll see less and less of the swan hill variety and more of uh, some of the other varieties because because the the swan hill was overplanted and as i said they got borers and a lot of and that that happens also with birches it happens with um you know some of the river birch they're now starting to do new varieties that are a lot stronger so it's very true it, you not only see that in vegetables and that's a really good good thing to know about but you're also seeing that in ornamentals yeah, you know, one of my clients um, wants to grow olives and eventually make olive oil. And, um, you know, in California, we have two main varieties. It's a, um, uh, what is it? It's Aquafina or something like that. Um, I have three bottles of it because I have a client that bottles it and it's wonderful. However, if you want a different variety, we did source a place in the Bay Area where he could, he was able to pick up one Kalamata tree. I love Kalamata olives. I but, do too. Yeah, but again, the same thing. People are becoming more sustainable at home. They're ordering these um, plants and vegetables so they don't have to buy them at the store. So as Michael said, keep your eye out because um, once spring hits, boy, those shelves are going to be empty again of seedlings. And you could be growing vegetables for your family for the entire summer into the fall where you're starting to grow the pumpkins and the gourds. Right, absolutely. And, and it's not only vegetables, it's also fruit trees and uh, fruiting vines and, and everything. Because some people say, well, I'm not into vegetables, but I love fruits. And um, last year was really, really, really difficult to find any citrus. By the middle of the year, right. the citrus was all sold out and you couldn't get any. Right. Yeah, that was, yeah, 2020, 2021, that was very difficult. But, um, but the main thing, of our podcast today is to get growing and starting in, you know, inside is wonderful. Plus it's a great thing for kids. Yes. Yes. And as, as Roberta said earlier, it's not a part of get growing is to amend your soil and to use the proper soil. And so you're not, you're not, because there's nothing more, more discouraging than using the wrong thing and then planting your seeds and E first of all, they either all die Two, they don't come up, or three, they come up and then they die. So, you know, and then once you try that and you have no luck, then you just throw it in the garbage and go, I have a black thumb. And that's not true. Everyone has a green thumb if they do the proper, um, they follow, follow the proper order and the follow, proper rules. You have a black thumb if you don't, if, if for example, plants, I, I get that all the time. My clients tell me, oh, my God, I got a black thumb. Everything dies. Well, maybe everything dies because, A, you don't water it, or, B, you don't take care of it. You never fertilize it. You don't water it on a regular basis, or you overwater it so you flood it out, and then it dies, and then you blame yourself because you say you have a black thumb. If you follow directions or you you at least had some sort of system um, that you fertilized regularly, that you watered regularly and didn't overwater, you'd be amazed how things do grow. Right, right. 
You know, years and years and years ago, and I'm talking many, many years ago, way before I got into landscape design, I lived up in Humboldt County, and at a certain time of year, they would have um, different flower bulbs and big bins. You could buy them and by the way. And one of my favorite flowers, besides peonies, that's another favorite, are ranunculas. Oh, but I love those. I love them. They're just gorgeous. And I thought, I'm going to plant these. I bought a handful. And of course, it's in a bin, right? So there's no instructions. So I took them home and planted them and nothing happened ever. And then I finally, as I started learning, I planted them all upside down. Yes. In fact, when you talk about that, that's a, that's a it, it, it can happen. The, the most famous story, um, I went to um, UC Davis for landscape architecture, and part of the training was to, to study horticulture. And um, the horticulture department um, changed the rules that, that before you graduated, you had to take an internship and you had to do a hands-on internship, at least one. The reason I mention this is because viticulture at UC Davis, the the study of of wine and growing grapes and wine and making wine is very, very big at UC Davis. They're known for it. Well, one of their graduates who had never taken an internship and never done the hands-on, but was their top student for book knowledge, um, went to work for a very, very big winery. I'm not going to mention names because it was quite a, um, a major winery and they hired him at a very high salary. And the first thing he was done, told to do is take a whole bunch of the, the, the men and go out and plant the grapevines. Well, the grapevines are planted on bare root stock, which means um, it's just a bare stick. And he never realized what was the top or the bottom. So Aye. they planted 10,000 acres of grape stock all upside down. It all died. And of course, the nursery came back to the university. They fired the guy and they came back to the nursery and it was very, it, it was very uncomfortable. And after that, they started the policy that before you graduated, if you were doing any horticulture or before in landscape architecture, you had to at least have one full, uh, one internship where you're actually doing hands-on things so that you learned it. So it's not that people are stupid. It's that if you see a bare stick or if you see a rhinoculus bulb, which would make sense because they have these little, uh, I would call them like fingers. They almost, yeah. Um, sticking up, you'd think that that would be the top. Well, those are the bottom. And the so bottom. It make, yeah, you, it makes sense that you would plant them upside down if you didn't know that. And it would make sense that you would plant a, a grapevine if you don't know what a bud scar looks like, you know, what, what the buds look like and how the buds need to be planted so i mean again it's it's all experience it's all trial and error but what we have what we didn't have before is youtube so if you have any questions about up down sideways or backwards in planting you can find the answer the correct way to do it on youtube and um i just love that as a tool especially for gardening i used it to um to separate my um string of pearls um succulents i mean there's just so much information so and you also could write out, if you go to our website, you can write and ask us a question and we might even answer it. That's right. We'll look it up if we don't already know it and then we'll tell you. But generally what we'll answer is based on our experience. And um, I mean, we're going to give you the right answer because we will look it up, but we'll also tell you our experience because here's the thing. Many people will buy plants that say um, they're sun plants, but that doesn't mean they're sun plants for Sacramento where it gets 112. Right. So, so we have experience with, with that kind of planting. And you're always welcome to go to our website, which is um, 
It's uh, diggingdeep.blueberry.net. And Blueberry is spelled B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. They have dropped the, the E's in both cases. So anyway, I'm so glad that you joined us. And I hope we have uh, given you some enthusiasm to start uh, to start starting your seeds and maybe even starting them in cow pots. That's right. And I learned something too, because I never heard that, heard about that. And I'm actually going to look it up and maybe even order some. That's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Very I'm exciting. Too. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm Roberta Walker. And I'm Michael Glassman. And we, and are. we are Digging Deep. <laughs>